0: One, two, three, ah! Oh! Get out of my dreams. We're ranking some songs. Ranking the Beatles, baby. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How I are can't you? I believe
1: you've roped me into this. <laughs>
0: Welcome to another episode of Ranking the Beatles. We were just singing some Billy Ocean while I was setting up. Someone for the help show. me! <laughs> I believe William Ocean, William J. William, Ocean. William is, is J. His Ocean. His birth name? No, <laughs> oh, is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I made that up. Um, yeah. You're a mess. I am. How are you, my dear? Um, I'm all right. Yeah. Things are good.
1: Yes. Good. I'm. I'm having an adult beverage.
0: I am too. What are you having? Yes,
1: I'm having a. A High Noon Sips.
0: Ooh. It's like a
1: bougie White Claw.
0: You sip (laughs) it on your sips. Yum, yum. They're
1: delicious, though. This one is pineapple, and I don't even generally like pineapple things. But it's actually pretty good.
0: Yum. Yeah. I like it. I am having a Urban South Brewery Black is Beautiful Imperial Stout with coffee and coconut. It's delicious. It is delicious. I love that Um, stuff. Yeah. It's super, super good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like really excited about all the local breweries, and actually there there's breweries nationwide participating in this effort. Um, but I we've been buying up all the ones locally because we can't buy beer from other places.
0: And uh, um, even though it's the summertime, it's not typically stout season. It's a, a good a good time to buy some of these blackest beautiful stouts. You want to tell the good people where the uh, the money is going to.
1: Um, I believe Urban South is donating to uh, the New Orleans Youth Empowerment Project. Nice. Yeah, all the local breweries are—they um, have all—they all have different uh, beneficiaries of the proceeds from these beers. So that's great. Yeah, awesome. And so yeah, if
0: you have a local or area um, small micro brewery. Is that what we're calling it, a microbrewery?
1: Sure, craft brewery. If you, have, if you have I don't a, know. What is the nomenclature?
0: <laughs> if you have a, a preferred local craft brewery, uh, you should look up and see if they are doing the collaborative Black is Beautiful Stouts right now. Because um, they're quite tasty. Yeah. Just our suggestion. A little free tip from us here at Ranking the Beatles. Anyhow... My friends, we have a really good yeah. show for you today. After
1: the ads. <laughs>
0: After the ads. Sorry
1: guys, we are actually not being paid by any of these people. We We're not. just like delicious beer. We just and drink we happen to have some pretty great local breweries. We are That's true. we are very lucky in that respect.
0: That's true. We have there's three Blackest Beautiful's here in town. We have No,
1: there's way more, there's than, more. than that. We just we have Urban
0: South We haven't bought them Nola all. Brewing. Yet. Zony mash uh huh who else has one
1: um i think like all of them are doing all them. it yeah. yeah like almost not all of them but i think almost all of them there's a whole article on nola.com that came out that like lists everyone and tells you how it's available if it's if you do like a growler or if they're canning yeah. and um what well, so, their specific flavors are mm-hmm. um so this is good cuz we st-
0: even though we are a internationally known podcast now we do have a high listenership right here in the good state of Louisiana. Yes. So, check out your local brewery. Yeah,
1: and even if you're not in Louisiana, yeah. they'll probably have some near you. That's true. Get you some.
0: Yeah. So, beautiful beetle people, we have a good episode on tap for you today. I'm excited about it. Are you excited? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Julia is excited, so I'm excited. So our guest today, I'm excited to tell you about, but I have to give you a little forewarning for a moment here. I'm going to say a word that I'm having a hard time getting through because I can't say it in a normal way. (laughs) (laughs) Julia is over here beside herself. Uh, Our guest today is a gentleman who's worn many hats over his career. Uh, he got his start as a music writer in the 1980s for the Boston Globe. In the 90s, he spent several years working for Rhino Records, where he compiled and wrote liner notes for reissues by artists like The Cars and Todd Rundgren. <laughs> I don't know why that's how I'm saying it now. Todd Rundgren. Uh, he's also been a magazine editor. He's written four books, including Vinyl Junkies, Adventures in Record Collecting, which sounds awfully like my life. Um, the Sound of Our Town, A History of Boston Rock and Roll. He was also, as I discovered just a few days ago, the lead researcher and content writer for the Beatles rock band game, which I assume a lot of our listeners have played. Maybe, Maybe you haven't. Maybe one or two. Yeah. I don't know. Um, is also This is pretty much how like Beatles multi-track bootlegs got into the world. From oh
1: band.
0: yeah so interesting thanks to the good people at harmonics for allowing us to make instrumental tracks of beatles things and remixes and whatnot without any further ado friends please welcome to the podcast mr brett milano Ow! brett milano welcome to the podcast my friend how are you
2: great to see you guys how you doing
0: likewise we're good man how are things up in massachusetts these days
2: it's all hell. Yeah, we we're, we have we have got our our beautiful uh, ninety eight degree heat wave here, and uh, I am just sitting around sweating with the rest of you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean that seems kind of rude. Like, isn't the the beauty of like suffering the awful winters supposed to be worth it in the summer?
2: Uh, theoretically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's kind of we're we're sweating to the oldies, is what we're doing.
0: (laughs) That's kind of one of the nice things about being home-ridden right now. Is like normally just walking to your car, you know, in New Orleans. By the time you get from your house to your car, you're sweating bullets. So it's nice to be dry.
1: Yes,
0: most of the time. Yeah, I'm not mad about that. But uh, yeah, yeah, so okay.
2: What it's all been about for me is this has been the time in my life when I realized why I've collected records for so many years, (laughs) because I know that someday I want to hear like every box set I ever bought. and That's what it's been all about.
0: This is the time. (laughs)
2: I'm halfway through the Jackson Five box now, I can tell you the up till Dancing Machine, they were unbeatable. Oh, nice!
0: That you, know, that you know, I've I've never dug into like into the Jacksons on an album basis. It's always been compilations and singles. Are the albums That's, worth diving into? The
2: first couple are because the first couple, like they made they made every song sound like it was going to be a possible single, mm-hmm. and Michael couldn't tell the difference. He just gave a hundred percent to everything he sang anyway. Yeah. Ah, so yeah, okay. the first couple are real good.
0: Well noted. I'm gonna. I'm diving into the Jacksons next.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a good weekend project. I love it. Yeah. Well, we might
2: have a podcast there.
0: No? <laughs> <laughs> well, please no more. <laughs> when we finish this one in 2024, oh dear, or whatever year it will be, <laughs> we'll dive into <sighs> another band probably. <laughs>
2: Goodness. Which will still be before the next Mark Lewis song book comes out, probably. Right. So, He'll still be so working on volume
0: two. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know who mark lewison is i do not he is a noted beatles author Ah. uh who's currently i think it took him nine years to write the first the first uh, edition of a all-encompassing beatles biography um it's a three book set wow the first one i think took nine years and that's been out for maybe three or four now and he's working on volume two
2: yeah, and I think he's at the point where, like, Brian Epstein got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night once, and he's been researching <laughs> that for the last five years. In
0: 1962. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he, he, he is now making it back to his bedroom.
1: So. Oh, my so we goodness.
2: So go, go on from there.
0: Thanks yeah. to a, a good, hearty bowl of Weetabix.
1: Oh, dear. He kept it, kept it regular. <laughs> a little too much detail. Right. A little too much detail
0: but um so brett i want to i want to go ahead and jump into it here with you um you know one of the first questions that we that we throw out here and it's always interesting to hear kind of the different the the different backstories how did you first discover the beatles if you think back to your your younger days young baby brett how did you first hear the beatles
2: yeah i was definitely young baby when i heard them because i am i am all i'm a ripe old 62 at this moment so Mm -hmm. um So I heard him in real time Mm because I grew up really in love with the radio. We had, um, I grew up in New York state. We had W.A.B.C. in New York, which was one of the ultimate quintessential top 40 stations at that time. So I I remember having a real strong attraction to whatever was on the radio all the time. You know, I think it was the four seasons a lot before, before the Beatles Mm -hmm. and, And a lot of the early soul stuff, great, great records every week. But there was, and I just got into like getting to know every record and every artist. And it it was always gradual, like a couple of new songs would come up every week. And then one day I happened to turn it on and suddenly they were talking about, we've got more music by the Beatles today. We're going to play you another Beatles record. And I thought, who are they and where'd they come from? You didn't talk about them yesterday. Yeah. And. Suddenly, they they started playing it. I think uh, "She Loves You" might have been the first one I heard, because there were um, you know they would have had probably whatever the first batch of singles. "I Want to Hold Your Hand" and then all the ones that preceded that. Mm-hmm. So they were suddenly playing all these records. But I immediately loved it. I think what grabbed me probably was hearing "She Loves You" and just the harmonies, the way that song began. Right. The the way the voices rose off that record was just it knocked me down even over the, you know, through this tiny little AM radio speaker. Mm -hmm. So after that, and I would have been seven years old at that time, but I was still really feeling the power of that. So I definitely, um, followed it through the whole AM radio, uh, sequence. I was on the merry-go-round for the next, uh, whatever, whatever it was, uh, seven, eight years. (laughs) Did you see them on every two?
0: Did you, did you see them on Ed Sullivan in real time? I did. I did. Yeah. That's cool.
2: Um, I wasn't quite old enough to uh, go out and buy a guitar the next day, but I definitely understood <laughs> why people did. Yeah, and and I do have an older sister, which is pretty important when you. Uh, I think most people that got into the Beatles had older brothers or sisters.
0: Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm sure at, over the course of your career, you know, writing and you know, kind of living and breathing music from all these different sides, you know, what are some ways that you can look to, and say that you know the Beatles have influenced. How you do the things that you've done?
2: Oh, that's a that's a that's a good question. Um, I think they they just they just maybe kind of reminded me how special it all is. You mm-hmm. know how much uh, and looking at looking a hard day's night and how 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 much of a swagger they had at all times. Yeah, and how they just lived this great life in the course of being around the music and doing what they did probably subconsciously. I put that in my mind somewhere. Yeah. Try to strive for that a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that that's so funny. Cause you know, I, 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 saw this, I found this video on YouTube the other day that I had done probably 10 years ago. Um, just kind of like bumming around the house at home from a tour. Um, and I was looking at it and it looked so like funny to me now, cause I had my hair like in this long kind of like beetle shag, and, like, for years, that was always kind of, like, that was always kind of how I tried to, like, model my look somewhat. Like, you know, I felt almost sabotaged when, like, emo hit and everybody had that kind of haircut. And they're like, oh, you have emo haircut. I'm like, no, I got a Beatles haircut. Like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah.
2: Get it right. <laughs> get it right, it's the Beatles.
0: But yeah, I, you know, I think, it. you know, they were so great at creating this kind of attitude and vibe of, like, a, a coolness and a, a calmness, but also, like, a camaraderie and an energy. That I think, you know, especially for especially for young boys growing up, um, you know, it was so contagious and seemed so cool.
2: Yeah. And just introducing you to all these parts of the world you never would have thought of, like swinging London and, right. and, and Liverpool and all that. It's like, yeah, wow, there's this when, when, you, when you're eight or nine, just to think about what a great world there might be out there that you first see through these guys eyes.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. everything I knew <laughs> about London, you know, or, or Liverpool or England, I kind of knew from Beatles documentaries and Beatles stories. And so when we finally got to go a couple years ago, like the, the whole route of the trip was based around like seeing all these sites and, you know, ha- trying to soak up these kind of experiences related to that story, which, you know, elated the child in me who had been looking at these things in books, you know, for, you know, 30 years.
1: Yeah, we were there for like two weeks, and I think I got to pick like three things to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is true. No, it was
1: fine. I don't, I don't want it to sound like he totally took over the trip. I actually really enjoyed it. Like it was, it was super cool to like go to Liverpool and go to the Cavern Club. And like, honestly, like just meeting people in Liverpool was super cool. Like everyone was super friendly. And then, you know, go to Abbey Road and like do the crosswalk and like mm-hmm. all that stuff. And like experiencing it was cool, but experiencing it with Jonathan was super cool because he was just so enthralled by everything. You know, <laughs> like everything was just like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And so it's it, experiencing things through someone's eyes filled with so much love is just you can't compare it to anything. It's wonderful. So I was happy to well, go along on the little all your little pilgrimages. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
0: it's very cute. I love it. Well, man, let's uh, let's dive into the pool. Are you ready to to do some rankings?
2: We're ready. We're ready, We're ready to rock. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Excellent. All right. So for those of you who don't know what we do here, I don't know why you're listening, but I will give you a brief explanation. Uh, I have ranked two hundred and twenty three songs recorded and released by the Beatles. Uh, it's my own preferential ranking. I'm not saying anything's right or wrong or better or worse. This is just my own enjoyment. And then I put the list out there for our friends to talk about and tell me whether they think I'm right or wrong. Cause that's the whole fun of the debate. Um, but coming in today at number 207 from Rubber Soul is what goes on. <laughs> What Goes On uh, is a Quarryman era John Lennon composition. Uh, it was never actually performed by the band, um, and at least John early on thought enough of the song for it to be considered as a possible early single. In March of 63, after they'd recorded uh, From Me to You and Thank You Girl, they had some extra studio time that day. They considered recording uh, another track. They were debating between What Goes On and another older tune that they'd been sitting on for a bit, One After 909. They ended up working on One After 909 that session. Uh, Even though it didn't turn out to be quite as fruitful as they hoped, and that version of the track sat uh, in the archives gathering dust until the anthology came out in 1995. Uh, Of course, uh, they would dust off one after 909 uh, and kind of a new arrangement for Let It Be just a few years later. So what goes on in its earlier incarnation, and there's some kind of demos floating around the internet and bootleg land, um, it sounds an awful lot like the Beatles take on a, a kind of a Bo diddly beat. Uh, and it's pretty spot on to their take of, um, of Chuck Berry's Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, from around the BBC era. Um, so November of 1965, they've got less than a month left until rubber soul is supposed to be in the stores. They're still recording the record and they only have half of it done. Only have half of it written. So if you ever wonder like how fast those guys could work under pressure, yikes. Um, so they decide to dust off what goes on. Um, now, John puts it out that Paul and Ringo do some additional lyric and arrangement writing on it, and that creates the first and only song in the Beatles catalog to be credited to Lennon, McCartney, and Starkey. Uh, and this seems to be somewhat commonplace for Ringo songs. The band only spent one, uh, one attempt at tracking it. It was one and done. But um, they kind of shined it into a country-western feel, which Ringo was really into. Uh, they'd already done um, Act Naturally and Honey Don't, so the country thing was kind of his bag, so they kind of reshaped the song in that light, and that's what we, uh, what we know and love from Rubber Soul. So why do I have it sitting at 207? Um, I really don't have much negative to say about the song, other than I think its, it's worst attribute is that it's not a great Lennon and McCartney tune. Um, I've always found the sonics of it to be really interesting. Uh, it's a super dry song. There's not a lot of room or reverb sounds on it. The, and the guitars are really staccato, which is really odd for, like, a band who, like, kind of vibes off. Like, they kind of live and die off of the strum of a guitar. There, it's this real kind of plucky staccato guitar part that kind of pushes it along. So it's a bit of an outlier in that sense. Um, George's lead guitar is one of the last times you really hear him kind of channel his inner call Perkins. And as a vocalist, I think Ringo really actually holds his own pretty nicely here. Um, there's some vibrato that peaks in here and there and his drumming on it is phenomenal. Um, you know, people always talk about Ringo's sense of, 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 of timing being super impeccable. This is an example of that where he just keeps the same groove going the whole time. It swings, it's tight, and his tempo is just precise. It's really impressive. Um, I also find it interesting that he never does a single drum fill in the whole track. Uh, which makes me think maybe he wasn't thinking this would be the only time that they would play it, but the rest of the band, or at least the, the group consensus once they were done was we got it, you know, let's move on. Um, you know, it Paul
1: good enough. Yeah. It's, it's, good, it's enough. good. enough. Moving yeah.
0: on. It's, it's filler. <laughs> um, Paul does some really nice stuff on the bass. You know, I think his bass track moves really nicely, especially in the solo section. Um, Yeah, I don't think it's a bad song. I think it's definitely filler. It kind of sounds like a bit of a rush job. um, And that's maybe part of what gives it the charm is that like the rest of the album is super intentional and really well thought out. And this is still kind of just what they sound like live, which I think is kind of like makes it kind of a special part of the record. Um, See, I don't think it's a bad song. I just don't think it's a really great song, which is not a bad place to be.
2: To me to jump in, it's it's one of the only Beatles songs that I just think is okay. Yeah. There is a there are so many Beatles songs that are good to great and look we're down we're still down in the two hundreds and we've got a song that we like this much about. Yeah. But uh, and and yet there's so many there are two hundred odd songs that are better than this one. It just to my mind the chorus of it is a little grating. It's kinda of settles on those couple of notes and doesn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it's played real well. It, to me it's it's to me it's um, even though it was written in another another style originally, it was reworked into the Beatles trying to do a Buck Owens song. Yeah, And to my mind they could have they could have possibly written a better one with a couple more drafts. So meanwhile, let's let's just let's have a real good time playing this one and just put it across with the energy we've got, which is basically what happens.
0: Yeah. And you and, know, and there's some real highlights in it. You know, even the, even though I think it kind of, it kind of just hugs that line of being not great. Um, you know, I think the guitar, I think George's guitar playing in it is really, really nice. It shows, I think, what a student he was of that Chet Atkins, Buck Owens kind of country thing, um, and it's it's very refined. You could tell he really worked on what he wanted to do, and it wasn't just like, you know, ripping off another kind of basic guitar solo it seems pretty thought out um and and i think that's really nice um there's some cool lyrics in it too which i think are really kind of like vintage early john you know trying to like will himself into being the poet you know like the line (laughs) of like um i met you in the morning waiting for the tides of time like that's actually pretty good like the dude was 20, maybe, when he wrote it. That's pretty damn good for a 20-year-old. And it's I'm,
2: fine. And I'm kind of surprised to hear that was John's, because that sounds like the kind of thing that Paul would pat himself on the back for writing. <laughs> right? <laughs> now,
0: and at the same time, like... Uh, like... One of those
2: movement-you-need-is-on-your-shoulder kind of lines,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and at the same time, you know, that may be one of the things that he and Ringo added. Maybe Ringo wrote it. <gasps> What if that's a Ringo line?
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, send him an email and find out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he won't read it. He does not read fan mail anymore. <laughs> with peace and love. He'll read really it. He just won't sign he it. He won't sign it. <laughs> I'm warning you with peace and love, but I have too much to do. How can
1: I see The that I feel is all
0: It feels somewhat out of place on Rubber Soul because I feel like they've moved past that kind of beat group. Um, this is kind of like the sound of our influences phase at that point, um, but it's still an enjoyable tune, and uh, I think it serves its purpose well on the record.
2: And to my mind, it, it fits right in perfectly on Yesterday and Today, yes. which is where a lot of us uh, a lot of us first heard it. It's you know the second Ringo country song on that album, but with that whole kind of Odds and ends feel of that album, it fit just right. And there's some ways those American albums really do the trick. And I think uh, I still think Yesterday and Today is a great album, even even though it's not a real album. Yeah,
0: no, agreed. They're, they're, it's such a they can be such different list listening experiences. Like, um, I think it's uh, maybe the Beatles set. It's the one that's called the Beatles second album, uh, which is yeah. so unimaginatively titled. <laughs> um, it's either that one or beatles 65 i think it's beatles second album uh that's just like a great garage rock record you know it's got
2: oh that's gotta be the second album uh, yeah because yeah. uh, there's, there's so much good rock and roll yeah, on that record. it's
0: got like the larry williams yeah. tunes are on it like it's just they're just scorching rock songs and it makes them you know it removes the ballady component of things like a Taste of Honey and, and things like that. It just shows them as like this kind of dirty rock band. And it's really a great yep. listen. It's fun. It's really fun. Did you have thoughts? on? I know this was kind of a new listen for you.
1: God, honestly, like I'm with you guys. It's fine. Like that's really <laughs> how I feel about the song. Like it's fine. Yeah. It doesn't, I'm not like, oh, this is bad. Nor am I like, oh, this is good. I'm like, it's pleasant. <laughs> I, like it's fine. That's yeah. it. That's really. It's like... <laughs>
2: It's like the alternate universe where everyone watched the Beatles and Ed Sullivan and said, Yeah, those guys are all right. You know, they're okay.
1: (laughs) It's sort of like the Bring back the
0: guy with the plates on the stick. I wanna watch that guy.
1: (laughs) It's like the vanilla ice cream of songs. Like it's just it's sort of it's sort of like it's there like it's good. You know you don't dislike it, but you're not like fuck yeah, vanilla You're just like, Yeah, vanilla,
0: cool. I will be pleasantly shocked if somebody at the end of this list is like, Man, I can't believe you didn't put what goes on top ten. At <laughs> least top ten, if not top five.
2: But I'd be shocked if nobody forms a band called Fuck Yeah Vanilla. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You need I'm going to trademark that first
1: thing in the morning um, before this airs. And uh, yeah, get, get right on. royalties, yes. please. This is how we make our hundreds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, every good podcast needs merch. So oh, yes. Bucky Vanilla t-shirts oh, coming soon to that'd our website. That would be
1: great. <laughs> you know what? I would wear that.
0: So what goes on at 207? Do you, do you concur? Do you place it higher or lower?
2: I'd probably place it around where it is. Um, I, I will mention that little bit in the song that I really like, which is the thing that happens right before the chorus. They tell you why; mm. it's something you don't really see coming. It's a nice, it's a nice little, really beatles melodic thing. Yeah, that uh, t- to my mind puts that song up a bit of a notch.
0: I think that's got to be a McCartney trick there. Only one because it doesn't exist in the original demo. But it just—it's got that kind of McCartney trademark little twist, of like how to make things just a touch more interesting than you would expect.
2: That's why John kept him around all those years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was on my—I was on my phone earlier today, and I saw some quote credited John, which you never know if it's actually true or not. Um, but the quote was something along the lines of like, "We knew we would never make it alone, uh, individually." Paul wasn't... What was it? He said, uh... He's like, Paul wasn't hard enough. I wasn't cute enough with... Like, I wasn't cute enough. Uh, George wasn't good enough and Ringo was just the drummer. But we figured for all four of us there would be something for everybody. But, I don't know, that that is interesting when you consider, like, how they each kind of knew their own... Not their roles, but they each kind of had a... What they brought to to the table. Yeah.
1: What they brought to the table.
0: Yeah. Well, I think... And not even... Like, even boy bands kind of do that thing where it's like, well, you've got the the big brother the young rascally one the the heartthrob yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's a formula it is it works
0: well um do you uh, do you have time to do a second song with us absolutely wonderful let's do a a twofer and I think once I'm really looking forward to like not that I I don't enjoy the songs that we're doing now but once we get into like the meteor tunes it's just one song per episode you know and I think we can get the full the full thing for that once we get there I'm
1: gonna really nerd out on oh those. yeah oh yeah
0: <laughs> but coming in at number 206 my apologies to any grandmothers listening to this podcast from please please <laughs> me a taste of honey
1: a taste of honey tasting much sweeter than wine Doo-doo.
0: So, the band kind of knew from from an early point that uh, to help them stand out from other beat groups at the time, the ability to play kind of of out-of-the-box material would give them a real leg up, playing more ballady-type songs like A Taste of Honey, Until There Was You, uh, not only just opens up the door for more work opportunities, but also helps them dear them to not just the teens and kids, but their parents as well, uh, which is a really pretty savvy business move for kids that are like 20 years old to think about this. Um, now, maybe that might've been a Brian Epstein thought, but I think I wouldn't put it past Paul because they were doing this stuff before Brian was on the scene. Um, so yeah so this is the you know this is the kind of song that Lennon usually refers to as Paul's granny music shit and it's the first time that we hear a taste of that granny music shit uh, from the Beatles Uh, now this song also Lennon frequently refers Lennon frequently refers to it as a waste of money which shows you his you know his true thoughts tell us how you feel John I love that I, I will not lie, I've, I've sung it in my head every time I've heard it now.
1: I'm going to do that from here on out. So <laughs> All the times I listen to this song. <laughs> a waste
0: of money. <laughs> so, uh, some really interesting tidbits about this song. Um, originally it was written as an instrumental for a Broadway version of a British play. Uh, the first lyric version was released in 1961 and was sung by Billy D. Williams. Yes. Uh-oh. I'm talking that Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian, Billy D. Williams. Mr. Cole 45 sang a taste of honey. Cold winds may blow o'er the
1: icy sea,
0: but I'll take with me the A taste of honey, a taste
1: much sweeter than
0: wine. A very young wow. Billy D. Um, and I
2: thought I knew all my
0: trivia. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So now the Beatles version is based on the version, uh, released by Lenny Welch in 1962, which is pretty identically. It's pretty much the exact, you know, it's the blueprint for the Beatles version almost to a T. Um, so they gave this song five takes, um, on the day that they recorded 10 songs for their debut album. Please, please me. Um, It had been a part of their live set, and the whole album is basically a document of the live set. So they knocked it out with relative ease, um, which I think is actually pretty impressive because the harmonies on it are not easy. Like they're pretty nice, you know, solid, intricate harmonies, and they knock it out really well. Um, And this, you know, this is actually I think the first time that they double tracked a vocal on on a record. This is the first appearance of double tracking. It's on Paul's lead vocal, uh, which they go to double track everything (laughs) after that. Um, So yeah, so that's a little bit of the back history there. So why do I have this song at number 206? Again, another one that doesn't really have anything wrong with it. I think Paul really does a superb job singing the song. Um, his vocal is wonderful. It's right in the sweet spot of his vocal range. You know, he's got that, he sounds youthful. He sounds 22 with just this pristine, perfect voice. I think it's a really great vocal take. Um, And you can also kind of tell that he really enjoys singing this particular song. Like it just, it's one of those performances that that enjoyment comes across really well. Um, I think Ringo delivers a really nice understated drum track. Uh, George's arpeggio, the guitar is really nice. I love the bridge. Uh, It kind of takes off nicely. Paul's walking bass line is cool. That's where the double track vocal comes in. Um, I think I deduct some points because it's maybe a touch dramatic for my liking just as a as a song itself not so much in not faulting the Beatles um <clears throat> but I think it's just a little bit dramatic and Paul kind of pours it on as Paul is wont to do no <laughs> but no. <yeah>. you know <laughs> you, you can like you can hear songs and you can see him like making the face and doing the eyes <laughs> like when I think about like um the way Eric Idle does it in the Ruddles, like it's just so over the top. Like that's what I
2: Paul was apparently none too pleased yes. about when he saw
0: that. I mean, I learn to laugh at yourself, man. Like that's yeah. so good.
1: Don't be so Paul if you're gonna be <laughs> mad at people when they act like you. Like reel it in, bud. Fix your face.
0: That is like my only gripe about the Ruddles soundtrack is that. Lenin told Neil Ennis that you know he thought it was great, but he would maybe watch out for Paul's reaction to get up and go, because it's maybe just a little too on the nose, <laughs> and that's the one song that's yeah. not on the soundtrack. <laughs> so
2: and that's one of my favorite songs so on the good. whole thing. It's the best yeah.
0: Beatles song they never did. Like it's really, really good. Well, <laughs> cheese and onions. Kicking basically.
2: the guy off the rooftop <laughs> is also my favorite joke it's in so the whole movie.
0: <laughs> it's so good. Um, so yeah, so I'm sticking this guy at two Oh six, Brett, what do you think? I like it, but I would agree with you. It's a completely square
2: record. Yeah. And it's one of the, one of the squarest things the Beatles ever did this until there was you mm-hmm. and maybe a couple red sails in the sunset back in hamburger mm-hmm. days. And we all hated that kind of thing in the sixties, but a lot of us love it now. Now, right. now I, now I'm really into 60s easy listening music. <laughs> and I realized that it wasn't, th- there were there were just a lot of people in their 20s and 30s that listened to that kind of thing that just weren't down with that rock and roll thing <laughs> that wanted to go out every night and drink cocktails and, you know, dance in their gowns or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the kind of thing they were listening to. And to me, the song really evokes that, probably especially because of the Herb Alpert version, which is way hipper anyway. ¶¶
0: it is weird that like that an instrumental version that you know you would never peg that as like really the cooler version of the two but it really is
2: yeah and now you you gotta snap your fingers every time you hear the song just because he gave it he gave it that kind of groove yeah
0: and also like the cover didn't hurt like to attract every you know youthful eye of a man (laughs) under you know 40 to look at it at the time
2: yeah, that's one of the things that the digital age kind of ruined because you see it reproduced now, and you can see there's a wedding dress under there, which is so tragic. Right.
0: <laughs> Damn you, hi def! Damn you! <laughs> I love it. And, and so I, I was kind of surprised to see you know the number of, of versions of this song that float out there, um, and the uh, was it the Alan Sherman one that you sent me? Which
2: is called a waste of a waste money. Of yes. Money, yeah. uh, it, what did you call it? Dad Blues of the uh, of the 60s or something? Because uh, it's basically a bunch of middle aged guy gripes. Oh, it's like dad uh... <laughs> It's all dad jazz, yeah. I wanted to get some new girlfriends. So I went and bought a Mercedes Benz, a waste of money. Eight thousand bucks down the drain. Yeah, that that I that he uh, puts in that song, and yeah, he kind of he kind of he kind of nailed it in that way.
0: So yeah, so two oh seven. How do you feel about it, hun? Two oh six. I'm sorry. Uh, I yeah, yeah, great. It right. it.
1: <laughs> um, I am legit offended <laughs> that this <laughs> ranks so high on your list, um, higher than Love You Too. Are you kidding me? you joking.
0: Okay. <laughs> Damn. You, tell us how you really feel. Like,
1: higher than as, like, sort of schmaltzy as it is, also higher than The Long and Winding Road. Yeah. Like, I'm very surprised by this. It it doesn't sound like a Beatles song to me. Like right. if you were like, oh yeah, this is from like uh Captain Geach and the shrimp track shooters. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Totally <laughs> sounds like them. It's legit. Um, it just, it doesn't sound like them. It doesn't, it doesn't like evoke anything in me. Like, it's just, yeah. Just like another, not, not even like vanilla. like, what goes on like it's just i don't like i actually have like not great things about this song yeah like
2: other than that it's great
1: (laughs) sorry i just yeah it just doesn't like sound like the beatles to me so i wouldn't even i don't know it doesn't seem like it should be on the list
0: (laughs) i think it appeals to me in the same way that like even though I don't necessarily love a lot of Davy Jones monkey songs. I still enjoy the schmaltzy ones. Um, Because I, I think within the overall track, the individual performances are really cool. Um, like I think Paul's vocal on this is really a showstopper.
1: But even Davy Jones schmaltzy songs still sound like Davy Jones. Like, this doesn't sound like the Beatles to me. Like, this sounds even... like
0: young schmaltzy Paul McCartney to me. I don't think it does. Now, maybe because I grew up knowing that that existed and, you know, Till There Was You existed. And, you know, when you see him play it for the Queen <laughs> and he's making eyes at the Queen, like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> like, this guy's a stallion. <laughs> come on. You know, like, they were... You know, when when they do, like, the one sensitive breakdown song at the cavern, when he does this, Paul's walking out with any girl he wants to. Like, he wasn't going to anyway, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah,
1: he didn't have
0: to do this one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it just drives it home for him. I don't know. Maybe. On the
2: Davy Jones scale, I put this way, at least way above on the day we fall. Oh, God,
0: throw that in the trash. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, When you do ranking the Monkeys, there's the bottom. I legit
0: might do that (laughs) because I would would go hard on that podcast.
2: (laughs) That that and she's moving in with Rico down at the bottom of the...
0: (laughs) The less that said about the whole Pulit album and that whole... 80s resurgence is
1: you're gonna do that podcast with Kyle Molenson. Yes. do not count me in for that. Like, <laughs> I cannot get on board with that. I'll come on for a guest spot to talk about head, and then I'm back out.
0: Fair enough, <laughs> fair enough. So, so, two right, we're,
2: we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna hijack this now and talk about the monkeys for the next step. I'm cool with it, man.
0: <laughs> I, I was actually thinking it would be a funny joke to where when I finally get to like episode number one and release my number one ranking it's listen to the band (laughs) just drop a monkey song in there and just blow some (laughs) minds
1: oh my gosh i feel like someone would just burn our house down (laughs) is is, is that your number one monkey song
0: oh god i haven't even considered that um uh maybe maybe it might be yeah
1: is Circle Sky the
2: Monkees or is yeah. that Nesmith? Circle Sky would be up yeah. there. I think we're, we're all on Nesmith songs. I think mine, now that I know the Monkees did do it, I'd say some of Shelly's Blues. Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. to me is one of the top yeah. top ten songs ever written anyway. Yeah,
0: that one. And there's a version he he did uh, of uh, Propin- Propinquity, um, oh, yeah. which there's a version uh, that they did on the Johnny Cash show. Uh, Peter left the yeah. band and it's just the three of them doing three part harmony. And man, it is gorgeous. Why that never got actually like recorded by the three of them and released. I'll never understand. Um, I have to have Andrew Sandoval on this show to ask him why. Mm. So that's my goal.
1: He could tell you. I'm oh sure. yeah. Hold on.
0: That guy knows.
1: <laughs> Andrew, if you're listening, he knows everything. Yeah. email
0: us. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, now that I know that you're, you're down with the monkeys too, whenever we inevitably dovetail into the monkeys, bringing you back on oh, for that
2: ab- one ab- absolutely yeah. yes
0: so 206 we're all we're all in agreement are, are you th- do you think it's too high julia
1: i think it's too high
0: where would you in relation to the rest of what we've already gone through where would you put it
1: Ooh, that's a good question um ee.
0: is this like bottom of the barrel for you
1: yeah i think i'd like Silly put it down. Da- well i probably like mr moonlight yeah i I'd probably let me say it <laughs> I probably put it down with Mr. Moonlight. Just like, it just doesn't sound like the Beatles to me. It doesn't, it doesn't fit.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Brett, how do you feel on this one?
2: There, um, I'd probably maybe have it like 10 notches higher or so. Yeah. Cause there's a few you haven't gotten around to yet that I can, that I definitely like less than taste of honey. Um, ask me why. I, I love asking <laughs> you. You do. Okay. So that one's coming, coming way up. Um, it's, it's, it's down in the, it's down in the doldrums area for me.
0: okay. okay. That's the beauty is that there is no right or wrong. It's true. There, I, I really I contest and I say it every episode. I don't believe that there really is a bad Beatles song. And I think it, the, the joy and the fun of being able to just you know, debate the merit of the greatest catalog of all time. <laughs> it's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> well, excellent. you know uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about while we have you here, and how I didn't know this about you before, you yes. know how you buried the lead on this. Uh, that,
2: I, that whole, that whole. Uh... I had to
0: go to your website to like just look <laughs> up some extra back history, and then I stumbled upon your resume, and I see yes. that you were the lead researcher, and was it head writer for the Beatles Rock? Well, band?
2: I, I, I did exactly. I, I was the lead researcher in terms of the the actual written content that went into the Beatles Rock Band, so. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I was involved in the Beatles' greatest flop. Um, also, that that is a flop
0: the... is flattergassing to me. Like, how did that flop? Because from what I can recall at the time, it was everywhere and everyone owned it. I, I mean, unless I just know nothing about video games, which is more than likely true.
2: <laughs> it seemed well, um, I think it wound up selling, like, um, I don't know the actual response, but I think it sold a couple of million, but they were looking for massive. And. Mm-hmm there's a few theories as to why it didn't do that great one is that the um the remastered catalog came out on the very same day oh yeah and a lot of the beatles beatles uh nuts went for that first and a lot of the uh the kid, a lot of them their kids that were playing those video those uh rock band video games really wanted you know they wanted uh they wanted painkiller by judas priest which was the <laughs> most uh the most popular track on all of Rock Bands. it was the single. Wow. It was because it was the single toughest one to play. <laughs> uh, the, the guitar part and the drum part on Painkiller if you if you are playing to a to a video game it's absolutely impossible nobody that's to wild. get through that and that's what they loved. Uh, the Beatles they, they introduced a new thing which is they introduced harmony uh, vocals to the Rock Band uh, uh, experience and People didn't necessarily uh, get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, they also created some incredibly gorgeous, beautiful oh, graphics, beautiful graphic designs. They really, they really got into creating a whole Beatles-like dreamscape atmosphere mm-hmm. thing, which everybody at the company that was into that was was completely in love with their own, you know, the work they did for that. Mm-hmm. And it really, it really looked good. I can't really you exactly what happened after that i just know there was a there was a blood death at the company about two months later wow
0: that's bonkers yeah in the in the creation of it you know as far as being the kind of the the the, the lead researcher for the for the written part of it you know did that involve you talking to people within the circle or kind of using things you already knew and just verifying facts Thing. The, the,
2: uh, the connection with the circle with a lot of it was Giles Martin. He was one of the uh, he was one of the people that had the final say in everything. and everything. And ultimately, the Beatles read it over. well, Paul did. I, I think he was the, he was the only one. And Donnie Harrison was actually involved somewhat, mm-hmm. and, and and was Yoko, but um, more it was. Um, I think i was a lot of re, a lot of researching a lot of the things i put in were beatles first like the first time they did this the first time they did that uh the first time they had a song over three minutes long which was do you know
0: oh god uh, uh i should know this uh, i don't know pick it to ride ah yes okay damn real so we just got canceled so pulling out yep. little fact
2: pulling out little factoids <laughs> like that. And a lot of times it had, to, it had to be mentioned in the anthology book or else that, you know, cause that was the, that was considered the Bible for all this. Interesting. There were a few things I couldn't mention. Like I, uh, I actually put in a mention of the Beatles cartoon series in one of it. And there's a, you can't do that. They really hated it. They don't
0: want it. <laughs> That's funny.
2: I loved it myself. Oh, yeah. I, re- I see it now and I realize it was awful, oh, but, yeah, <laughs> but it, it was awful in a really cool way.
0: Right.
1: That was actually kind of like a question I had was like, has anything by the Beatles ever failed until the, the rock band game? But I guess the cartoon did.
0: <laughs> well, the cartoon was really big in America. Um, yeah, I don't it, was, I,
1: it was popular. They just didn't like it.
0: Yeah. Cause they, it was one of those things I think that Brian signed them up for and they had no idea it, and Ew. they disliked it so much. I don't even think it aired in the UK until the seventies. Wow. Um, yeah, they, they truly, truly hated it. But, I mean, as far as things that failed, um, the Magical Mystery Tour film was, like, their first big failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that aired on Boxing Day, which is the day after Christmas, uh, 1967. And it's this trippy, psychedelic movie. And it got aired on the BBC in black and white, when everybody is, like, sitting around on the couch filled with turkey and stuffing and half asleep. Um and it's also a really weird movie, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does not translate to black and white. And it was.
2: And it's not that much better in color. Yeah. At
0: all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't
1: really help. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So that got that got trashed pretty hard. Oh. And that was like their first big flop. I
1: mean, that's that's not... How About
0: the film, the movie. Remember the movie
2: Medley in the uh, in the early eighties.
0: I I didn't hear that until probably late nineties.
2: Yeah, but it, I don't know if that failed, but it was pretty awful.
0: Did they put that out or was that kind of one of those like Stars on 45 type jobs?
2: No, there was a, there, the they actually put that out. It was on Capitol. It was uh they when they were trying to do every compilation they could. There was the rock and roll music one, which went over well. Mm-hmm. And then there was the love songs one. And then they did one called Real Music, yeah. which was just songs off the of soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And they put that, that movie Medley, which was a stars on forty five kind of edited thing. Mm-hmm. And ugh, That was a that was a pretty crappy trend anyway.
1: <laughs> was it Beatles songs or they did covers of songs from other movies? I haven't heard it.
2: No, it was actually songs that songs that had been in Beatle movies.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, so like Help, Hard Day's Night, Ticket to Ride. Probably
1: let it
2: be.
0: Yeah.
1: And they did a medley?
0: Yeah, well, I I think they just went back to the tracks and kind of, like, edited things into a a medley. Oh. Well, I'll I'll put it in here as bed music. (laughs) It'll be great. (laughs)
1: Okay. It'll be great. (laughs) That seems so unnecessary. (laughs)
2: Yeah. It was completely unnecessary.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's just not a thing that needed to be done. Like, they already exist as great songs on their own. Don't try and smush them together.
0: I, uh, I I did love when i when I asked you about <clears throat> about the rock band thing you casually dropped the fact that you uh, had been in the room with a a laptop yes. that had carnival of light on it uh,
2: that's that's my that's my favorite moment I was in I was in, how did you in know it was on there
0: like did you see his iTunes the, uh, open you
2: no know, my boss told me he said you know carnival of lights on that laptop holy shit he just pointed. <laughs> I, I know that Giles Martin had been in the office and had left his laptop and I'm sure <laughs> my boss had heard it yeah but also was like the head the head designer and one of the head masterminds behind the game you know probably got probably got to hear it but he said yeah it's on that there so uh you know, maybe if I had had more presence of mind, I would have just grabbed the thing, <laughs> beat a, be a quick retreat. Right? Yeah. You know, I mean, sold it to sold it to a bootlegger. Infamy and,
0: you know, is worth way but, more.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man, that's great. Writing
2: my memoirs today.
1: <laughs> or at least found like a closet that you could lock and listen to it really quick and then just like give it back.
0: <laughs> and then tell everyone how disappointed you are. <laughs> the fourteen yeah. minute sound collage that is the holy grail of Beatles catalog. <laughs> oh my goodness. But um man, what a what a cool story though. I mean, you don't often find people who have been involved with something with within the you know, the Beatles inner inner circle, so to speak, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, just that my name is on the thing. When you roll the credits at the end of it, that, that was enough for me. Just that my name is, is somewhere on a Beatles project.
0: Mm -hmm. Was there anything that you learned in that pro in that project that you didn't know beforehand that kind of like blew you away a little bit? Or were there any songs that you, any like multi-tracks you heard and were like kind of taken aback by something or.
2: Uh, I didn't get to hear a lot of the multi-tracks, but hearing it, uh, I remember hearing, well, I did. I heard, you know, if you even when you play the game, you get to hear, you know, certain instruments up louder. Mm. And I was trying to, I always played drums when I played Rock Band. And on the drums, playing to, um, to, um, uh, what was, oh yeah, I feel fine. And realizing that the drum part is basically, uh, what I say by
0: Ray Charles. Yeah, and yep. I thought, well, that's, that's cool. cool. <laughs> that's funny. Man. I remember, on what Was it nine nine nine? Wasn't that the day it all came out? September ninth of two thousand nine. That was,
2: that was the mm-hmm. uh, something to do with John's love for the number nine. Why all the releases were timed for that day? Mm-hmm. I remember. But ahead,
0: okay. I'm sorry.
2: On a, it's, being around Rock Band was just an experience because there there was a bit of rarefied air mm-hmm. in that place. It was in this little dinky office building in Cambridge on Central Square. But I remember going in one day and there was this barefoot middle aged guy sitting there just in the waiting room waiting to talk to somebody and he turned around and I realized it was Jimmy Buffett. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
1: You're like, who's this bum with no shoes on? Gross. No shirt, no
2: shoes, no problem. That's what you want Jimmy Buffett to be, you know, this middle aged barefoot
0: guy (laughs) that just says, Hey, how
1: you doing? That's amazing. That's funny, man. Why is he always barefoot? I mean when you're at the beach, cool. Do your thing. But, like, when you're
2: in he's the on middle, when, when you're He's in on a,
0: Island when Time. He's on Island Time.
2: When Jimmy Buffett, you're always at the beach. Oh, you goodness.
0: I, I can remember the day that all that stuff came out. I was still out with Cowboy Mouth, and we were off somewhere. And John Thomas Griffith, Fred LeBlanc, and I took a cab to the nearest Best Buy, which was about 20 minutes away. And we each blew, like, three weeks' worth of per diem on re-releases. And then we also sat in the Best Buy for probably three hours and played Rock Band and realized how bad we were at it. <laughs> Which was the funny thing, because all three of us are very competent musicians and know the songs, but playing it in terms of the game was very different to playing it as the actual instrument.
2: Yeah, but One thing I did, one thing I tried to do, because I was, before I, the Beatles came, my main gig there was producing stuff for or coming up with things for the website just to make it interesting mm-hmm. and whenever possible i get bands in there to play along with their own songs and we never did it with anybody famous but there were a couple of boston bands that got songs in the game and i find that bands were really good at playing to their own stuff but usually terrible at playing to anybody else's.
0: that's funny <laughs> yeah. that who'd nice.
1: have thought i mean yeah. it's just like a completely different Instrument like you 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 don't play rock band like you play a guitar yeah like it's buttons as opposed to strings yeah and you have like this muscle memory
0: you realize how finite like the press of a button is versus like the strum of a guitar yeah you know it's very
2: the drums kind of are like drums though they uh you 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 have to coordinate your hands and your feet like yeah like a real
0: drum I do remember going to a party with you and they had Beatles rock band and I kind of quickly um excuse myself from the gathering of the party and just like esconced myself in front of the TV and was playing rock band. Um, and, and and you were just like we can't own this game. Like Yeah, no. I don't like what this <laughs> does to you. Yeah. I was like there will be no video games and they got Helter Skelter i got to play. <laughs> nope. It's great.
1: Play it here and then we're going home.
0: <laughs> well Brett, do you mind can we do a couple of rapid fire questions and then I'll I'll let you go on your way for the evening. Of course. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. All right, just off the top of your head, here we go. Favorite Beatles song.
2: Probably I wanna hold your hand. Love it. Just something uh-huh. about something about the whole uh, the whole romantic exhilaration factor in that
0: song. Yeah. Uh, just yells it for me. Beautiful. Oh, nice. Least favorite Beatles song.
2: Ooh. Um uh, <laughs> You know my name, Look Up the Number, because I think it's a damn shame that a group as funny as the Beatles would do a comedy number that really wasn't that funny.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. You'll also <laughs> notice that I have not put that... That that has not come up yet in the list. <laughs> I do enjoy that song. <laughs> Probably more than I realistically should. Um, favorite Beatles album?
2: Uh, for me, the sweet spot is the middle period. That's, that's you know... Uh, anything from between Hard Day's Night and Rubber Soul to me is the absolute pinnacle. So, uh, to go smack in the middle of there, I'd say the Help album is the most tracks I really, really love on. Okay. It. Um, you, between, especially the night before and You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, back to back, you've got John and Paul both doing what they do best if, at a real peak level.
0: Mm. Wow. Okay. I
2: love both those songs. Yeah,
0: I, I, I'm totally down with that. I love it. Yeah. And uh, one last one. Your favorite memory associated with a Beatles song?
2: Oh, this would have to do with... Um, th- this would have to do with... You mentioned Andrew Sandoval. He was part of this. Uh, and another friend of mine named Dave Jenkins from L.A. We, When I lived in Los Angeles, we went to a Beatles convention. And um, we got to see Harry Nilsson, who spoke at oh, the Beatles shit. convention. Ooh. That's cool. Yeah. yeah he, w- he was just. Uh, just talking and being harry and just and somebody asked about a song he just sang a little snatch of whatever song it was Mm -hmm. and that voice came out of his mouth and we were just like oh my god wow you know there there he is and we're hearing this um and we were we got we were having this feeling of superiority because all these people around were much geekier than us and like well, we're not really that far gone. These people are worse than us. So we entered a we entered a trivia contest that day, mm-hmm. and to our eternal undying shame, we won uh, between the, <laughs> between the three of us. I think the uh, I think the tie the uh, final tiebreaker question was to name a certain number of Beatles songs with a count of four in them, and I don't remember what they all were. I know, I remember you never give me your money. Sora standing there, of course. All together now was one. There's a couple others, but between the three of us, we knew it. So we wound up winning a Beatles trivia contest in a room full of Beatles ubergeeks. Oh my goodness! We were looking around with people saying, "No, really, we're not this bad. Like we do have relationships (laughs) with women. You know, we do. We do leave the house." (laughs) That's awesome.
1: (laughs) You're their leader now.
2: Yeah, we were trying to discourage them from camping out outside our
0: houses. <laughs> Brettelmania.
1: brettle mania Oh, Wah-wah. goodness. Thank
0: you, thank you. So
1: bad. Well,
0: on that note,
1: <laughs> on that
0: note <laughs> what do you, you have know. going on these days in your world, man? Anything, uh, anything coming up? Anything out recent? Oh, God.
2: Well, uh, I, I tend to not leave the house these days like most of us. Um, i'm still uh i'm still writing for offbeat in new orleans Mm -hmm. um which i which i i was down there for a while editing that and i still you know i still love those guys and we'll we'll throw content at them whenever possible um and i'm i'm just freelancing
0: yeah
2: you know uh, not not all about music i do a lot of academic writing and that that's kind of my bread and butter these days that's cool and um just you know since since nobody is doing what they normally do these days i'm just uh trying to stay as productive and as occupied as i can yeah
0: any any plans in the works for for another book
2: not really well i just um the last one i was part of was that uh, 300 songs for 300 years book that came out through off me mm-hmm. and uh that one's still around and i hope people can find it um and that took a lot of time and you know it takes uh Writing a book takes a lot of commitment. Basically, it takes a commitment to not making any money for a year. <laughs> yeah, and uh, someday I'll do that again. Yeah,
0: where and where can where can the people find your your current books?
2: Um, well, that one they can if they're in New Orleans, they can find that one. I think I just go to the Music Factory; yeah. they have it. Um, the one that uh, the one that still seems to be selling after all these years is called Vinyl Junkies: Adventures in Record Collecting. Yes that uh i did that way back in 2001 and that's that's the one that that is still still got some life in it and that um you yeah, that one can still be found and uh just, just, just Google me. I tend to be everywhere. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Well, Brett, thank you so much for joining us, man. This has been a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed it.
2: It's been a great time. Excellent. Can we? Can... I can't wait to see what's high up on your list when you get up there. Uh,
0: you know, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm really excited about it. And I was looking at it the other day, and I, I feel confident about it. Um, it's going to be so long before we get to it, though. <laughs> and that's the <laughs> bummer. Is like people keep going, man. I want to come on that on your show and do. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, it's going to be in like literally three years. So let's, we'll, we'll touch base again <laughs> in three years. We'll
1: put you on the calendar. Yeah. For three years from now.
0: Well, Brett, thank you, my Good friend. This roll. has been so much fun, man. I appreciate it.
2: Total pleasure. Excellent. Good luck,
1: you guys. Thanks, man. I'll
0: thanks, talk thanks, to man.
1: you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Adios. Brett Milano, everybody. How about yes. that? That was fun. Good times. So our, our, first, our first toe in the inner circle of the Beatles. Yes. We're going to work our way in there. I don't know how, but we're going to do it. Okay. Then we're going to take over.
1: I mean... No, not really. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. If we could just, like, I don't know, maybe get, like, a thumbs-up emoji from someone in the inner circle, that'd be cool. That's really all I well, need Well, we to... <laughs> went
0: and saw McCartney last time. They had this thing on the on the, on the the video screen It was like, text Paul at, you know, whatever number, and Paul will text you. So I did that, right? And every now and then I get like a text. It's like, "Hey, it's Paul." <laughs> I'm
1: like, oh shit, it's Paul! Wait, does it have an accent?
0: It, <laughs> it, the text has an accent. It's pretty great. It's also very cheeky. It's always a cheeky text. So cheeky. I love it. That Paul. That Paul. So cheeky. He's so cheeky. He's so lovable. He's the he's the cute one. That's cute why he's one. the cute one. Well, anyway, you guys, this has been a whole lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, do us a favor, leave us a review on the. Uh, platform of your of your choice preferably five stars preferably a good review if you didn't enjoy it just you know, spare us just move on uh, <laughs> that's cool to you though um, also check us out on facebook and instagram at ranking the Beatles, and uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button and what else how else are we wrapping up today anything else
1: uh, listeners we currently have seven ratings and we are five out of five stars who so- the hell Thank you. Yes, you guys are crushing it. Obviously, we're crushing it. Five stars we do what we all do. around.
0: We do what we do. Um, yeah. Thank you for for the kind ratings. Uh, also, some people. Have... Wait, someone said you have a sultry voice. Shut up. <gasps> yes. Shut up. Yes.
1: It uh, couldn't they... be more right. <laughs> 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 They said, as I stated above, I'm super excited to agree or disagree with this guy's opinions. I mean, with a sultry voice like that, who wouldn't be? Wow.
0: Oh, baby, we're going to rank some Beatles now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is um, that
1: sultry? Is that your sultry that's, voice?
0: That's my sultry voice. That's... Oh, baby. <laughs> it's really that hard is, to do. That is
1: not at all sultry. Not,
0: that, it's kind of <laughs> not pleasant. Sorry about that. Um. So, yeah, that's all
1: thank you listener
0: thank you for the kind you ratings have, you
1: have made the my husband's head a little bit larger i need bigger today. headphones now <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's it for today you guys thanks so much for hanging out with us uh we'll see you next week with another ranking and another guest until then do us all a favor and wear a mask assuming that we're still doing that in a few weeks when we air this episode i'm sure we will be <laughs> until then i am jonathan and i'm julia and this has been ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today is a gentleman who has worn many hats over his career, got his start as a music writer in the 80s for the Boston Globe. In the 90s, he spent several years working at Rhino Records, where he compiled and wrote liner notes for reissues by artists like The Cars and Todd Rundgren. Uh, he's also been a magazine editor. He also has written four books, including Vinyl Junkies and... Adventures. You're in... doing
1: like these weird inflections <laughs> right now. Todd
0: Rungan. Todd Rungan. <laughs>
1: I'm like, you can't continue like this. Todd rung. You have to fix this. Is it bad? This is not sultry.
0: Is it bad? <laughs> yeah. It. Am I cutting off this? St- All right. Start burp. Okay. <clears throat> Take two on the bio. Our guest today is a gentleman who's worn many hats over his career. He got his start as... Rungan. <laughs> <laughs> Rungan. Rung. Yes. <laughs> You know. have to keep a blooper reel. <laughs> I should. Okay. Our guest today is a gentleman who's worn many hats over his career. Oh, his hat game is strong. <laughs> Fucking hell. Man, I wish I hadn't stopped recording. You just had the best snort. Oh, shit. All right. Sorry. Let me get this down. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> run, run. 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 Don't do it. Our guest today is a gentleman who's worn many hats over his career. Uh, He got his start as a music writer in the 80s for the Boston Globe. In the 90s, he spent several years working for Rhino Records, where he compiled and wrote liner notes for reissues by artists like the Cars and Todd Rundgren. (laughs) (laughs) I could hear it. All right. Rundgren. I'm just going to have to make this part of it. (laughs) Ha! <laughs>